bringing to you the stories that have never been told, the news that has yet to unfold, and the voices you have not heard. This is the Caribbean Cannabis Channel, where we meditate and educate on all things ganja within the Caribbean region, with your host, Prophet Nati. Yo, 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 peace and love, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Caribbean Cannabis Channel. I am your host, Prophet Nati, and today, again, like always, each and every one of our guests says one thing I would say. They are all unique and bring a different flavor that just adds to the entire pot of what we are doing. And the young lady that I'm about to introduce you all to, she, she's a very high-spirited, connected, and definitely, I would, I can tell, passionate young woman dealing with cannabis, doing her, her own business, creating her own community, just really and truly adding a lot of value, I would say, from the time I have met her and the things that I have seen to individuals like yourself. So, say all I was that to say. We are welcoming our guest today. Iman, how are you today? Thank you for having me, Nathaniel. I am doing great, thank you. And I'm super excited to be on this podcast. Talk about cannabis. We thank you for joining us. We thank you for joining us. You are joining us from New York. Mm -hmm. And we are dealing with not just the Caribbean or even New York. We're just dealing with how cannabis can be used in a space of content creation, social media, business development, copywriting, all of that in, in one and even more in the space that you are at. But before we could even jump into how you really bring value in that space to the cannabis community, we always like to, our guests to give origin stories as to what would have sparked the interest of cannabis. Because one thing I would definitely say I realized each of these stories I've heard are all similar, but at the same time, it has all come from different life paths, but all intertwined and just ended up at, at cannabis. So what's your origin story with, with cannabis? Of course. Um, well, here's the thing. Um, I'm currently 27 and I started smoking weed pretty late, I'll say. I started at like 20 because my family was very religious so they were very they had the wrong idea about cannabis and they told us you know don't drink don't smoke it's bad for you god doesn't want you to do it etc and they were very persistent with that and so i moved out of my house when i was 19 and you know it's not like i immediately tried to smoke weed i waited a little bit of time but i eventually tried it and I was, t I was 19 when I first tried it. And um, I think I was 19 or 20. And I had a roommate at the time. And she would always smoke weed. So one day she was like, do you want to hit on my bong? And I was like, really? And she's like, yeah. I'm like, should I do it? I was scared. And to be honest, like smoking weed for the first time out of a bong was probably not the best idea. Because I definitely greened out. But for the first time in my life, I didn't have any anxious thoughts at all. 
I was just happy. I was stress-free. I was calm. And it was a different experience for me because I was always someone who had a lot of thoughts. Um, and I was very, I was like overly aware of myself and everything that was happening around me. So cannabis was the first thing that kind of uh, reduced that anxiety for me. And that's when I realized it's not just for fun. It's actually like a medical product too. So for me, it's always been about the anxiety. Um, and then also as well as the appetite, because I'm not going to say I had an unhealthy relationship with food, but being a college student, you know, sometimes you don't have that much money. You just drink coffee. Mm -hmm. You just don't eat. Right. So and then when you do have money and you and like you, you buy groceries and whatever, you don't even want to cook. You don't even have the appetite. So cannabis was something that helped stimulate my appetite so that I could um, not malnourish my body just out of laziness, you know, and it was a good mm -hmm. thing. It was a good thing for me because I know that the way my body operates is like, obviously has to have good nutrition. And if it doesn't, I'm just going to keep feeling worse and worse and worse. And I'm going to keep drinking more coffee and I'm going to get more anxious and be like, what's wrong with me? That's just unhealthy, right? So on a personal side, that's my cannabis origin story. Um, and then on the business side of things, I actually started as a freelance graphic designer. I didn't really tie cannabis into my business at all until about three years ago, because right when the pandemic started, I had um, a full-time job at a cannabis marketing agency. And under that uh, company was a few cannabis accounts. So I started learning how to make Instagram content for cannabis accounts because of that job. Um, but I had always been an entrepreneur and I wasn't going to um, not pursue that dream when I'm young just because I found a good job to work in. You know, like a lot of people value nine to fives and that's great. I do think that that's something that you should value if you're that type of person. But for me personally, I've always viewed jobs as educational opportunities. Um, and so what I did was I really learned a lot of skills, graphic design mm -hmm. skills, marketing skills, copywriting skills, Instagram rules, um, video animation, etc. And I eventually stepped away and started my own marketing agency. But um, I didn't niche down into cannabis until I came across this guy on LinkedIn who was talking about pricing your packages as a freelancer. And that was something that I struggled with. I didn't really know how to charge for my work. Um, and I hadn't really been formally taught how to charge for my work either. So I messaged him and um, he it turned out that he offered like one-on-one -on -one coaching classes. So I actually did a coaching class with him and that's when mm -hmm. I learned how to um, brand a certain company or thing that you do specifically so that you can uh, uh, make a profit out of it essentially. And so that's where Blunt Creative Inc. was born. The branding was born. Uh, the idea was born, the packages and all of that. And I just started uh, uh, building my personal brand on LinkedIn uh, with posts and content and videos and that sort of thing until um, I got my first couple clients. And then, yeah, since then, I can't say it's been easy. Obviously, running your own business is its own challenge. And it's like a never ending one, too. Uh, but what I like now is that over the past four months, I moved to New York and the New York market is technically legal, but it's just been very slow to come to market because there's been a lot of obstacles and a lot of underprivileged people in the United States were promised a lot of things 
about um, opening their cannabis businesses in their state. And then those promises were being taken away Mm -hmm. from them once the opportunity to actually open their store was presented. Um, So it's caused just a lot of delays in getting actual legal dispensaries open. But the problem with New York right now is there's a whole bunch of other shops open that are not legal that are selling fake weed or like, uh, you know, like weed that's been sprayed with pesticides, which is not good. You know, so that's the other side of the problem. But right now I've been just trying to build my network in New York. And I can say that the people here are very, very motivated. And it's been a, it's been it's been great, honestly, getting my foot in the door within the New York market. That's great. That's great. That, to be honest with you, there was a lot of things I want to unpack mm-hmm. from what you just discussed. I know I just talked for a while. No, but you gave, you gave us a lot, and that's why I allowed you to go, because you see, person sharing, it comes from the soul and the heart. And the conversations we always have in here, really and truly, are directed to one using cannabis to meditate and educate others. And one of the things I wanted to, to go deeper into what you just mentioned is working at a cannabis marketing agency. And I think that's an important part for us to, to, to tap into because I, I consider you all as forerunners in terms of this game because it's a new, it's a new industry in terms of specifically using marketing in cannabis. Mm-hmm. And the reason why it's a special occasion happening is that cannabis already has certain guidelines that prohibits it or gives less freedom in terms of marketing and content creation so in terms of utilizing that approach what are some of the skills you all would would have used in terms of being cannabis oriented content marketers great question um First, I wanted to just clarify that the agency I work for was just a regular marketing agency. It just so happened that they had two cannabis clients because the owner was um, friends with those guys. So they went to school together, they grew up, and they started businesses, and they needed someone to help them with their Instagram content. So I don't think that he intentionally wanted to um, market his agency towards cannabis, and I didn't really have that idea either until the whole branding aspect of it came into play. And then I realized why I should niche down and why cannabis is a good opportunity and where I could thrive based on my experience. So I just wanted to let you know that because then it sounds like, you know, I actually, it's fine, whatever. <laughs> um, but yeah, to answer your question. No, 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 no. yeah, I understand. Mm-hmm. To answer your second question, I definitely think the most important skill is to be educated and be informed because um, once I got into the industry, there were so many things that I learned about the actual cannabis plant itself that made it so much easier to make different types of content. So for example, a lot of people don't know, but we have a system in our body called the endocannabinoid system, which is basically responsible for balancing out all the different hormones and chemicals in your body. It's responsible for homeostasis, Mm -hmm. like a state of balance within your entire body. And some of the receptors in that system are also found in the cannabis plant. And so the cannabis plant can actually bind 
to that system to stabilize some of our hormones. So some people didn't know that, and I didn't know that either. This is very new information to me. But once I learned about more of the scientific part of the plant itself, that became the focus of the content that I'm making for these uh, cannabis brands. And it's not uh, illegal to talk about the cannabis plant because it's facts, it's science. So as long as you're not, um, you know, uh, telling people that they should be buying it or trying to promote a sale or put a price tag on your cannabis product, Mm -hmm. um, for the most part, educational content is okay. And that's where I've really doubled down. And so part of that is being educated myself. So apart from like reading books and um, watching videos, I do a lot of article searches as well. So I'll read, I'll go online and I'll and I'll Google a certain type of question, and I really try to frame it from the client's perspective. So because not everybody for every company wants the same type of information, and they don't want the same type of information in the same way either. So I have to kind of put myself, like create a character for myself and be like, okay, if I was the customer of this company, what post would I see on my feed that would make me think, oh, that's interesting. I want to follow this account so I can see more of their posts and see what they're about. So that's really the, the, the mindset that I go into it with. Um, and then from there, I try to make it fun. And I try to make it a little entertaining because, you know, we don't like to, to have um, someone like speak to us so directly like a teacher or a professor or something like that on social media, especially like it's more of a casual place um, where you can have more regular discussions. And so finding that voice of authenticity for each of the brands has been very necessary as well. So yeah, I would say those would be the two things is uh, number one is education. And the second one would be copywriting. Mm-hmm. So writing about the, the piece of content within the voice of the audience instead of my own voice. Education and copywriting. I, I think those are two vital and essential skills in, indeed. And th- thanks for sharing that because a lot of times people may overlook it and again just focus on the sale of of it and forget the education aspect forget the culture aspect um, and the different parts that actually uphold it so kudos to you and and your team thank you and yes i just wanted to add really quickly sometimes the cultural aspect of it gets flagged as well unfortunately um so it really depends you can walk a very fine line when it comes to the cannabis culture um but sometimes if you go too hippie and you start doing, you know, all the 70s and 80s type of branding, you get flagged for that too. And if you do the opposite end of really? it, you okay. know, you do like, um, um, like um, 90s or like hip hop type of culture or, um, you know, like a Caribbean aspect to it. It just like sometimes Instagram's algorithm is just not good. So you have to kind of test out certain things, but there's ways to stay within the branding of the culture of your business without getting flagged on Mm -hmm. Instagram either. You just can't be so blatant about everything. You have to kind of like tone it down a little and be more subtle with it, but still get your point across. That's sad though. I know. I understand they have their own rules and the algorithm, etc., but... It's crazy that we you still have to find all of these holes and tricks to, to really just talk. As as you mentioned before, it's it's facts, it's science, it's a plant, you know. Exactly, so and that's it's, what it it's is. always funny. Yeah. But something I, I wanted to to 
to find out more and talk to you more about and for you to share this experience with us. In terms of actually being a content creator, cannabis specifically in New York, which is probably one of the fastest up-and-coming booming industries in, in the US of A. So how how does marketing work and how does that piece come at you in New York and interacting with it in, within this cannabis space? Um, so are you asking about how I've been able to market myself or how I've been able to market some of the brands I'm working with? Market your, yourself specifically and I mean by you marketing yourself you'll obviously be now working with different brands and entities and seeing the New York cannabis industry from different aspects right. and different lengths. Right. So yeah, share, share that with us. Okay. Well, um, definitely I would say the New York market right now is all in-person events. And so when you start to go to the in-person events, you start to see the same people. And that's how you know, that's how you build your credibility. And that's how you build a name for yourself. Because um, a lot of these uh, New York um, cannabis people are legacy. And so they've been around for a while. They don't really want to post their business online. They kind of want to gauge who are the people that they're going to be working with in person first. Um, and it's also a lot easier mm -hmm. to talk about certain social just, justice issues and that sort of thing in person because there's no risk of getting flagged online for having those discussions. Um, but recently I went to a, um, a venue in Chelsea, which is downtown Manhattan, and um, they uh, basically have two sides. It's like a warehouse. It's like one level of a warehouse type of building. And um, I shouldn't say mm -hmm. warehouse. It's on like the 12th floor. It's just like an entire floor. And it's split into two sides. One side of it you could smoke. And one side of it you can just sit. But it's a co-working space. So you go there with your laptop, your coffee, okay. your snacks, whatever. And you, do, you get your work done. There's Wi-Fi. There's a little dog that runs around. And it's a cool, chill vibe. So that's one thing I noticed about New York is the loopholes are there. Um, and people are taking advantage of them and that's a good thing because it shows what can be done responsibly, even when there's no regulations in place. Um, so I recently attended, a, uh, an event at that venue and it was about supporting the people who were underprivileged in New York, who got promised these licenses, but unfortunately didn't have the chance to open because there was a lawsuit against them. So it was trying to keep, you know, the spirits of the people alive. And someone raised a really good point. They were like, well, when you come to the New York cannabis market, you go to these events, you start seeing the same people over and over. So what are we going to do? How are we going to get new people involved? How are we going to get new money circulating? How are we going to get new customers and that sort of thing? And um, basically, they have now come to a realization where we have to start talking to the general public about cannabis, too especially because they're at risk right now with buying the product off of the street at the delis and the other smoke shops that isn't any good and it's overpriced so and i've unfortunately tried that myself too when i moved here because i thought everybody had the same quality of stuff you know and i wouldn't say that what i bought was not good quality it just was overpriced for mm -hmm. No reason, you know, it was just regular weed. For the value, for the value that it it really is. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, I think it's a very pivotal, a pivot, pivot of, pivotable. I don't know if that's the right word. 
Pivotal. Pivotal. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Part um, in the industry right now, because on October 4th, the applications open. So everybody who okay. um, yes, applied I for a cannabis license is going to get told whether or not they got accepted. And I think there's going to be something like 11 new licenses or something like that handed out. But eventually, they're going to open the market. And if you have enough money and you have a good team, you will be able to open your store and you will be able to sell either your own weed under your own license or have a license to sell uh, weed from growers that you buy from. So it, we'll see what happens, but I'm pretty excited. I'm, I just want to see you know legal, more legal stores open than non-legal ones. That's basically it. That, I, I love that a lot of the work that's happening are targeted towards, as you mentioned, community justice, social justice, and really writing wrongs which has been written all across um, cannabis history. But as you mentioned, the legacy growers not necessarily wanting to or yeah, not prefer not to use social media or the internet as much in terms of marketing and communicating and building community. How how do you now navigate a space um, such as that within Blonde Creative? Very good question. I think I have the same answer as one of your earlier questions and all comes down to education. Because if you don't know the reason why you should be posting on Instagram, then you're not going to post on Instagram. You're just going to believe whatever you heard about people who post on Instagram, which is, nah, you're going to get, uh, you're going to get deleted or they're going to report you or someone's going to find out who you are and you're going to get arrested and whatnot. Like they just think that the risk is too great, but there is a way to create a brand for your product without, without being the face of it. And, still attract an mm-hmm. authentic audience and still have real supporters obviously it gets easier when you have your face on it because people resonate more with people that's why a lot of fast food fast food restaurants have a mascot of like a person or an animal or something because we need to resonate with some other uh. living being you know we're not really tr- that attracted to companies we're, we're more attracted to the people behind the companies um, so that's a big part of it is just educating them on what's going to how is it going to benefit you as a as a business owner, because essentially at the end of the day, we all want to make money, but we don't want to keep finding new customers. We want our group of customers who want to keep buying from to us, that's essentially yeah. it, right? So in order for you to find those people, you have to repeatedly give them something to care about. And that's where that content comes in, because in between the time that they buy your product they could care about a hundred thousand different things before the next time they need to buy weed. And if they haven't been seeing you online, they might just go on Google, find your shop, walk in there, get something for $30 and leave. But you want them to think about you and only you. So you need to stay in front of their faces. All of us are on our phones now, whether we want to admit it or not, you know, you need to stay in front of their faces on Instagram so that they remember, okay, this person, they're in my neighborhood. They got great weed. They got great prices. They even have edibles and they have delivery. Okay, boom. That's it. I'm downloading the app. I'm being a member and I'm getting my 5% discount every time or whatever it is. Hopefully that's going to happen in the next couple months. But typically that's what the legal market looks like uh, from a consumer's perspective. So it's going to be really, it is a bit of a challenge. And I, that's where my own content comes in handy as well, because 
I post on LinkedIn and I post on Instagram. And so um, basically whoever sees my LinkedIn content is typically a business owner and whoever sees my Instagram content is typically working in the industry um, either as a bud tender or hosting events and that sort of thing. So I have different audiences and different types of content for those audiences, but that is where I get my leads from. And that's where I do my the most education as well. Uh, blogs and that sort of thing can help too. Definitely had more time for that in the past. Um, I might take it up again. I'm not sure. But then um, let me just quickly show you something that I created. And I actually have it here. With sure, me. we love to see it. It's essentially a double-sided laminated sheet. And it's like marketing material, right? So I'm not sure if you'll be able to see it. But this first side is just a little checklist mm -hmm. on here of what you should do. You should check on your Instagram post before you upload it. And it's laminated so you can write with a dry erase marker and then wipe it off and then do it again. And then on the back side is 25 Ooh. content ideas for cannabis dispensaries. And it's backwards, you know, because of the camera. But it's basically just ideas for Instagram that's not going to get you banned. And it's actually going to appeal to your audience too. So when I create something like this and I go to my events and I give them out at my events, people are like, Oh wow! Like that's so cool. Yeah, like, appreciate that. Thank you. I, I needed yeah. something like this, you know, and because they don't realize that there's so many things you could post about on Instagram. That's not. Hey, this is the product we have. Buy it. It's five percent off. It's ten percent off. It's five dollars. It's ten dollars. You know, great. We we do want to know about your sales, but first we want to know why we should even follow you or why we should even buy from you specifically. And so, yeah, it's mm -hmm. it's a process. It's a very slow process. But um, I have faith that it's going to all pay off one day. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm seeing, I'm seeing it, and I'm sure persons who who are listening to this probably are, are going to your to your website. Obviously, we will be linking um, your website, your pages in our comment sections. But in terms of the checklist that you just created, that's a big resource, and I think a lot of people are going to appreciate stuff like that, and. Again, it's all tying back to that authentic vibes with what you are sharing online. And a, a lot of people see it all the time. Is again, you cannot be studying just about the, the dollar, the money, etc. You really and truly have to connect with the community. And I think the cannabis community is probably even more unique because of the history of the discrimination of the fight down to the plant. So persons who really and truly pushed for it to be legal wasn't necessarily pushing to just sell it they were pushing just to have freedom of of use mm -hmm. so a lot of persons don't look at the dollar sign especially when they're dealing with cannabis so you become to feel a bit disconnected and see it as like the big farmer um stigma attached yep. to it and all these different yep. things so uh, I'm, I'm glad that you're taking that approach and sharing from your experience what are three types of content you think persons who may be interested in starting can get into that uh as you may have said safe on the safer end of the spectrum with cannabis content that is a very good question i think it starts with deciding what you want your content to do so sometimes people want to make content just for fun they don't take it personally they don't really want to build a brand they just want a way to express themselves online, get their creative ideas out. And that's perfectly okay. But what I will say is, when you create content just for fun, and you don't have a plan behind it, 
you tend to burn out and get discouraged a lot quicker. So it's always good to start with a plan. And even if you don't know the very specifics of the type of content that you want to make yet, have an idea of what you want your content to do. So whether it's you're going to be selling a product, you're going to be hosting a podcast, you're going to be um, going on Instagram Live, or you're going to be having a pop-up event, or whatever it is you want your content to do, kind of decide that before you even start making content. Um, That would be one. And then the types of content that you can make uh, really vary. Because right now it's 2023, it's about to be 2024. Um, Something like 80% of content consumed online in this year Mm -hmm. is videos and so a lot of people don't I mean I personally still love reading articles and I still love reading blogs and I still love reading books but not a lot of people are reading anymore a lot of people are watching so if you want your content to capture attention you have to be comfortable either being on camera or Sorry, that's New York. <laughs> yeah. Um, or 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 making videos of other people or other things. Like, for example, you don't have to have your face in it. You can make a video of yourself opening a jar of weed, rolling weed, whatever. That's fine. Um, but keep in mind that content, again, like I said earlier, with your face tends to do better, tends to perform better. It shows authenticity. Um, and then when it comes to the type of content you can make, you can either talk in your videos or you can follow a certain type of audio or sound and recreate your own type of version of that audio or sound. So a lot of us will hear the same sound over again, over and over again on apps like TikTok and Instagram because it's a trending sound. And so what you can do to, you know, get, uh, get some uh, views and interaction and engagement on Instagram without having to really talk in your video is to do a voiceover of the sound that you're about to use or to do um, like a little slideshow type of reel and that sort of thing. So those work too. They're very, some of them are very creative mm-hmm. and I do see a lot of those types of reels doing really well. Um, but the second option would be to speak on camera. And I think that definitely is the most valuable one and it is the most impactful one because when people see your face and they hear your voice and you're sharing your thoughts on something that you know a lot about, They trust you a lot quicker. They trust you a lot more. They care about you a lot more. And if you keep showing up on their feeds and sharing your opinions and sharing your thoughts and talking about your business and your product, then they become your tribe. They become your fans. They become your people. And that's what you ultimately want. Um, Now, again, that's not an option for everybody. But what I will say is your first video is not going to go viral. There's a very low chance of that. If it does go viral, you got lucky. Um, But it's probably not going to be that great. And you just have to find it in you to keep going. And And I say this from experience because I've been making videos for about three years now. And a couple weeks ago, I don't even remember when, I just went on one of my old TikTok accounts. And I watched some of the videos I made during the pandemic. And I was like, oh my God, I can't believe I posted this. <laughs> like, you know, so you really do get better. You you know how to make your point a lot quicker. Get to the point, you, you learn how to capture attention. You learn how to do transitions and cool effects and that sort of thing. But if you try to learn it all in one day, do it all in one day, make it perfect from the get-go, you're going to hold your own self back. So I would advise... Start with the videos where you don't have to do any talking so you can get familiar with the process of making a video and then slowly start to share your thoughts on certain topics and ideas 
find your voice, find your um, courage to build a brand for yourself authentically online because why not? It's free and you know you could reach people from all over the world. Look at us. I'm in New York. You're in the Caribbean. We don't know each other, but we're on a podcast together having a conversation about cannabis <laughs> and that is the power of social media. Correct is right. Correct is right. That's amazing, eh? Like we have the power of social media at our fingertips to really mend and bend it to our own desires and unlikeness. So you that's a lot of pointers. I hope person's taking notes because you you just gave some some golden nuggets as we just say in terms Thank of Thank you. Not just cannabis content creation, but just content creation on the whole. Um because you you when you are going through the experience and doing this not just for yourself but even other brands is something to be like commended for because it's it's not easy just doing it for yourself so big up yourself big up yeah yourself. and honestly one thing I, is if you are going to be creating a, someone like myself who does content for yourself and for other people just know that sometimes your own content is gonna have to take the back burner like there's weeks where i don't post on instagram and linkedin because I'm just too busy making content for my other clients. And it's really difficult to be on social media all day for a certain client and then do the same thing for yourself. Like it's just too much um, for me personally, it's too much noise from the internet, you know? So I just sometimes don't even make my own content and that's okay. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be like my content and theirs. But when you do have that downtime, stack up a couple of, videos on certain topics that you know you could post a, a month into the future or two months into the future if you really need a piece of content and you're too busy to create one so that would be my final piece of advice we got some some great pieces of information in terms of tackling cannabis content creation where people could start we got the insights to new york we got your origin stories but one thing that uh, we, we never get to compare each other to i know that you were staying you were living in canada at one point in time and you saw a bit of the the cannabis industry mm-hmm. there before coming to to new york canada is probably one of the next top places in terms of cannabis industry for the last how many years how has that transition been and what are some of the positives or negatives in that you are seeing in Canada opposed to, to New York? Okay, well, I'm going to try to answer this question without sounding biased because... <laughs> um, Ali, feel honest. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to be really honest with you. I can understand wholeheartedly why someone who was born and raised in, in New York is a, a diehard New York fan. I understand it. There's a lot of culture here. And generally, like genuinely speaking, people are good people to their core. They don't want to hurt you. They don't want to be aggressive. They care. They want to be. Um, they want to be um, uh, fun to be around. And like their energy is just entertaining at the end of the day. But there are a lot of things that when I moved here, I just could not adjust to because I came from a more privileged upbringing, and that's something that I can acknowledge and admit. It's not my fault, just as much as it's not these people's fault for being born in New York. You know, we don't really choose that. But what I will say is, when you come from Canada and you move to New York, it really does feel like moving to 
a, I don't want to say a third world country, but it does feel like a third world country. It does. It just does. The quality of the, the environment just looks like that. And I'm not, I'm, it's, not a ref, uh, it's not a reflection of the people. It's a reflection of the system. You know, so I can't be mad at people who love New York. But for me personally, I'm still missing Toronto. I'm still missing Canada. I still miss the system and, you know, just the way that things were done. Obviously, the cannabis industry is a huge plus because what I will tell you is every single jar that you buy from the dispensary in Canada is sealed. So once the, it's been inspected, it has not been opened and it's sealed most of the time with nitrogen to keep it fresh. So it'll stay fresh for a month or two months while it goes through processing and ends up in the dispensary. So that's fun and it's a great thing because it means you're getting fresh product most of the time. Two, because it's federally legal and there are so many options for where you can get good weed, and most of the time it's the same brands in the same dispense in different dispensaries, mm-hmm. I mean, the pricing is great. Um, obviously, there's price cutting, there's undercutting, and there's that race to the bottom, and you don't want to end up there. So some of the dispensaries who relied on having the lowest prices realize very quickly that it's not a sustainable strategy because as you keep shortening your margins and your competition is not doing that because they have something else that people are going into the store for. So you have to find that edge and that's what makes them... um, I don't think they've really figured it out yet, to be honest with you, in terms of the branding. I think Canada still has a long way to go in terms of the branding and marketing. But they also have a lot of restrictions, so I can understand why some dispensary owners just don't care. They're like, okay, let me open a store, make it look nice, and hopefully we attract the right audience. You know, that's not the way to go about it, but I've seen it. And on the other side of that, I've seen uh, the dispensary owners who have put a lot of care and effort and thought into the theme of their dispensary, um, their hours, the programs they have offered, the type of product they carry, the staff that they have working there, and that sort of thing. So that is what can make a difference for you. Mm -hmm. And the last thing I want to say is that the label on the product contains all the information that you would ever need to know about it, which is so That's one thing I really love to see. Yes, it's so relieving. It tells you exact THC percentage, CBD percentage, the terpene profile. Most of them now have the terpene profile. They have the smaller cannabinoids like CBG, CBGA, and like all those other, you know, little cannabinoids. The package date, the harvest date, the grower, um, whatever other ingredients are in there, if it's an edible type of thing or whatever, nutrition facts, all that. But having access to all that information on the jar itself as a customer was, was really good because... This is unrelated to cannabis, but a, a month into me being into, in New York, I got a severe allergic reaction to something. I don't know what it was, but basically uh, my entire skin flared up. And I had never experienced that before oh, in my yes. life. Right? And so uh, I'm not going to say it was the weed. It was not the weed. It was probably something I touched. But it just made me realize that like the cleanliness of the overall environment is affecting the quality of certain products, certain food, certain weed. Um, you don't really know who's touching your stuff, you know, so you have to be a little bit more careful. You don't even know what it was sprayed with. You don't know who grew it. Um, and so that poses a risk just to people who care. Like, obviously, if you know your grower and you trust your plug, no issues. 
Mm-hmm. But if you're someone like myself who just moved here and you're still trying to establish yourself and find your way around and learn who you can trust and try different types of products and weed and be like, okay, this shop is good, this guy's good, this guy's not, whatever, this, that, whatever. In between all of that experimentation, I experienced vertigo for the first time in my life after smoking weed where like my world would just shake out of nowhere. And I was like, what is going on? Wow. Like, I've <laughs> never experienced that before. So that's why I'm a mm-hmm. little biased because I, sm- I smoked a cannabis in Canada without it being legal either in my early 20s. But after it became legal, I, bas- I was like, why would I buy from someone that I don't really know? I'll just go to the dispensary. And I got really used to it, especially during covid um, it was a great time because they were all doing delivery and it was winter. So I never left my house. I would just order delivery. Thank you very much. And sit in my room and smoke weed, you know, and I would get high and they were, were forced to be more innovative with the type of products that they would have. And so they had to learn how to grow better and more potent flour. They had to learn how to make uh, uh, flour organic. They had to learn, you know, and you could get product shipped from across anywhere in the country, across the country. So in British Columbia, for example, on the West Coast, they grow amazing, amazing weed out there. And so when you fly that out to the East Coast in Ontario, where I was, it's it's mind blowing. It's like a different experience. It's like, wow. So like you have more access for sure to better and safer products, but you also have more access to information. And I think that information is really what's necessary for the customer. Um, so yeah, th- th- that would be my answer. Very, very long and, and biased answer. But uh, and to anyone who's from New York who's watching this, please don't be mad at me. <laughs> but really and truly, in terms of the labeling and packaging, I think that is something everyone should aspire to to get down in terms of the detail of your grower, the terpene profile, the cannabinoids, the effects, all of these different things on your on your packaging because it gives your consumer that level of surety and certainty in your product that you want want them to have because you you never know what persons are putting in it and again you could get adverse reactions and sometimes it's not even just weed weed causing it. It's really and truly what is you are putting in your herb, just like with anything you are eating. But because it's cannabis, it just automatically will get a bad rep, yeah. even though it's not necessarily the plant causing it, but just the practices yeah. of those who are growing yeah. it. Um, but if you know your grower, for sure, stick with your grower. That's always best. If you know where your, your source is coming from, that's probably like one of the best things you can have as a cannabis consumer really and truly so i think everyone regardless of where you're at should always aspire to do those things because again safety is always is is always the best option and you we want to always ensure what we are putting into our bodies is of the highest quality because that allows you to live your most best life yeah One last thing I wanted to say before we wrap up is that um, in the U.S., in the U.S., every state is has its own state, you know. So I can't say I can compare New York fairly to all of Canada 
because it's a whole country compared to a whole to just a single state, you know. But I think the U.S. as、mm-hmm. a whole has a long way to go in terms of、um, federal legalization because in order for them to federally legalize, they have to admit that the war on drugs was made up, and they have to release all the people who are in the prisons for very minor possessions of cannabis charges. You know, really long sentences, really unfair. But that's a whole other problem because those prisons are profitable.、Um, so I don't think it's going to happen too soon. Unfortunately, I wish I could say that I have high hopes, but、um, definitely enjoying the legalization process in New York. I do wish it was a little smoother and people were more aware of what's going on all the time because there's so many changes. But that is what makes it New York. That's what makes it exciting and. Hopefully, I'm able to find my footing in this state and make some magic happen. Nah, I'm sure you're gonna find that footing. A footing is already there. It's just the the step. And I I think the the US definitely has a long way to go in terms of justice, social justice as it comes to cannabis. But、uh, I always keep my my hopes up. I'm an optimistic kind of guy, not just in America or Canada or But everywhere globally, I hope that like justice is really served as it comes to this because really and truly, we we just shut ourselves in our foot, so to speak, by making up this war on drugs and spreading it across、um, the world. So that that's an important point that you 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 brought up. So thank you for for sharing that. And I I, I just want to thank you for everything that you shared because. I think episodes like this not just shares education for people in terms of skills and strategy, but also it connects them to the real core of what we we do here within the cannabis industry, the cannabis community. It's really support and build each other, as well as support justice causes. Because again, it's we understand. The discrimination, and we understand the oppression, and we understand why it doesn't make sense to do these things. So, bringing all of that into one to take us home. Apart from our cannabis life, because outside of our work, outside of our volunteerism, all of these different things, we 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 are people. We are human. So we always love to to get that personal side of our guests, so that people could feel a bit more connected to. To us, when you are not being blunt, Iman, what is one thing that you do, or whatever it is that you do, to really just get away from work life and just enjoy life? Um, I would say dancing really badly in the mirror by myself in my room. Really? Yeah. <laughs> There are so many psychological benefits too. Especially for women to dance because it's um it it shakes off extra energy, right? I wouldn't say that I'm a natural born dancer. Um, obviously it runs in my in my genes because I'm Middle Eastern and we love music, you know. So there's that aspect of it, but really I do feel like when I'm because I I like working a lot, you know. So if I'm not making content for my clients, I'm making content for myself. And if I'm not making content for myself, I'm hanging out with my friends and making content with my friends, 
And if I'm not hanging mm-hmm. out with my friends, then I'm just sleeping and catching up on rest, you know. Um, but at the end of the day, I genuinely do enjoy creating content. But the other thing that I would say that gives me just like that sense of freedom that I, that I can just be whoever I want and just feel however I'm feeling in that moment would definitely be like just hearing my favorite song and just dancing in the mirror by myself. Maybe one day I'll post a TikTok video. I don't know. Fair I haven't that. decided yet. <laughs> I would love to see that. I would love to see that. Right. So you're a dancer and a singer. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, wouldn't that's, that be cool? It intertwines dancing and singing. Female Chris Brown. <laughs> but that's great, man. See, see also Chris Brown is your favorite artist then. No. Oh, my God. No. But I'm just saying oh. Chris Brown because he can sing and he can dance, you know? Yeah. Sure. Okay. <laughs> well, you see, now, now we know you love to dance in the mirror and you, you love to sing. So we always love getting to know those sides of, of our guests. So thanks for sharing that with us. So my people, before we close, we're just going to allow Iman to just share where we could stay in touch with her, where you could find her. Of course, we would be linking this, but I know some of you Love to rush off or you may not be looking at your phones. So Iman, where can our listeners find and know more about what you do? Definitely reach out to me on LinkedIn. My first name is E-M-A-N Iman. And if you type Blunt Creative Inc., you should find me there as well. Um, but also on Instagram, Blunt Iman, Blunt E-M-A-N. And if you go on my website, BluntCreativeInc.com, you can contact me through the contact form on that website as well. Um, but I prefer social media, to be honest with you. Um, you can always email me if you want, um, iman at blankcreativeinc.com as well. But it's nice to connect with people all over the world on social media. So definitely reach out to me on LinkedIn and Instagram. Iman, again, it's a pleasure having you on the Caribbean Cannabis channel. You have left me and the listeners fulfilled. You have left us full of joy and your enthusiasm to go and create content, awesome content, uh, to push the cannabis industry even further, but from a different lens through content creation and marketing. I really appreciate you so much for the opportunity. And also, you're very easy to talk to. So thank you for guiding me through this podcast. Oh my gosh, you have me blushing. <laughs> very sim- it was very simple. I didn't feel nervous or anxious at all. But I also am really grateful for the opportunity just to share my perspective, especially because you've never met me. We don't know each other, but your your compassion and your welcoming energy is well received. And I really appreciate you for that. Thank you. And you're welcome. Thank you to the listeners Lovely. as well. I look forward to being in touch with you online. Alright, see you all and look forward to our next episode. Peace. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Caribbean Cannabis channel. Be sure to like and subscribe. You can also follow us on Instagram and Facebook so you don't miss out on any of the exciting news happening across the region. Until next time, remember to meditate and educate.